coming up next in The Ziegler Show. Anyone listening to this show is interested in giving and serving people. I mean, this is where we find our greatest fulfillment and purpose. We serve our families and friends and everyone we can through our work. And some go further and volunteer in different capacities. But how do we view serving? Is it a zero-sum game? Is it like Shel Silverstein's book, The Giving Tree, and every piece we give away we lose until we're nothing but a stump? In this episode, we take aim at this concept. Not whether to give and serve or not, but the spirit in which we do it. Do we treat it like a privilege and a joy or a burden? And my opinion is, and what you'll hear in the show is, we're all on the spectrum between those two perspectives and higher and lower in some areas we serve than others. And when we get closer to burden, though, to viewing it that way, we're risking bitterness and burnout, which we see and a lot of us have experienced. So is it more valiant to press on and give out of the scraps we have left in our heart and ourselves? Or sometimes do we need to just stop and regroup a little bit? Let's talk about it in this episode. Welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. This podcast has a simple premise, and it's to take the age-old wisdom of self-help and personal development and break it down as it relates to our world today and to us. You can dig in more with each episode at kevinmiller.co. And if you're new to Ziggler and are a coach or want to become one, let the Ziggler family empower you at ziggler.com slash coach leadership program. Now, Tom Ziegler and I discuss this issue of giving and serving, and I start out sharing a concept and a meme that went viral recently that shines a spotlight on the perspective of giving as loss or gain. Well, Tom, I'd be remiss if I didn't start off recognizing that yesterday, which as of this recording is February 1st, was your birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you, brother. It was a good one. I, I, I saw you're absolutely flooded with, you know, it was cool. Facebook, everybody does a little happy birthday and, you know, you get hundreds of those. You can't keep up with those, but you had so many people who posted pictures of you and shared their experience with you. That's what stood out to me. That's uh, what a privilege. I tell you what, I had a packed uh, morning yesterday and the whole time I'm working, I'm feeling guilty because... <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then, you know, a little notice would come up and I'd take a peek and there'd be another just incredible birthday uh, wish or blessing or memory. And we I didn't really even get to it until last night. And, and uh, so just grateful. So today or last night and today when I was in in the sleep stage i was just going through my gratitude list yeah and it was just filled up with relationships people i know and love and and some of them i see frequently and some of them you know at events or online uh yeah. so just really neat it was it just it stuck out to me that it wasn't just people saying you know happy birthday and just even you know hey tom's a great guy but they had actually yeah, experienced you. They had had a relationship or a connection. And I thought it's convicting. That's what we all want, but that takes an investment. So, well, hey, on that note, uh, the topic today. So here I'm going to set, I'm going to set it up. I know you're coming into this blind. So I saw this post on social media a couple days ago 
I've seen it before, but this time it just got to me. So it's this picture and it's a statue. So it's apparently a real statue. It's kind of maybe made out of concrete or something. And it says the statue of the sun. So it has this guy, he's riddled with holes, a statue of a man riddled with these holes, like, like a, a drill came in and bored them out. And then out of those holes, there's a little boy holding his hand beside him, a little statue. And it says the statue of the sun was made from pieces removed from the statue of the father, representing what parents do to build the lives of their children. Okay, stick with me there. Uh, we have the book, The Giving Tree. You familiar with that one? Yes, Shel Silverstein. Yes. Okay. And if, folks, if you don't know that, The Giving Tree, and it's about this, it's literally, it's a, in the book, it's a tree. And the son comes along and, you know, asks for things. You know, will you provide me shade? Will you provide me clothing? Will you provide me this? And with every request, the tree gives more of itself till it's just a stump at the end. The boy is an old man sitting on the stump. And it's really a, a regret uh, of the son for not appreciating the father and, and whatnot. I mean, I, you can take it different ways. Okay, there's my muse, Tom, because I'm, I'm taking aim at that. I struggle with the depiction. I struggle with the depiction of, so we have an aspiring audience of people who want to matter to others, to want to contribute, right? You're always talking about legacy. We want to leave a legacy. We want to have just like that. People who are wishing us happy birthday, people who show up at our funeral, people we have invested in, we have given to. Is that though, and this is where I'm going to, I'm going to hit it and I've got some points to hit on. Is it a, a zero sum game? So here I am as a father, here's Kevin, 52, and what I am giving to my kids, others, is a loss for me, in essence. It's holes that are now outside of me. It is, I'm the tree and it's slowly depleting me till I'm just a stump left. And obviously you can hear my bias here, but I think it, it, it impacts how we give, how we perceive our giving and serving, our attitude with it, and even the result to us. And I've heard that from the Christian standpoint, which I'm going to come at in a minute, but I'm going to, I'll turn the mic over to you. I want your feedback, but of that thing of, man, I'm going to, I'm just going to give it all and burn out at the end to where there's nothing left of me. Um, okay. Just there. So I just lobbed that all at you. Give me your thoughts. Very interesting. I have not seen that, um, Facebook post of that picture. Um, well, shoot, I should have here. You keep talking, say something really yeah, smart and, okay. I, and I'll send it to you. And so here's the, here's the thing. Um, I'm going to give the artist the benefit of the doubt. And I'm wondering, uh, if the context is that the parent is less than they were before because they had kids, you know, maybe, uh, the holes represent the parent is filled with light and the more, and the more they give the child, the more light shines through them. Okay. So, hey, how about that? I, I, well, that's a Ziggler, that's a Ziggler glass half full uh, perspective. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> and so then the illustration that came to my mind is two examples that um, Rabbi uh, that I heard from Rabbi Daniel Lappin. He uh -huh. said that that there's a big difference between physical and spiritual. A violin is a physical instrument, and it exists in one place at one time, right? It's it's just wherever it is, there it is. Yeah. 
But when it plays, the music is spiritual. And so if it plays in a concert and there's a hundred people in the room, they can all leave with that beautiful music in their heads and it's spiritual. And then he talks about there's two kinds of people. There's cake people and candle people. Okay. And cake people have that worldview that, you know, everybody in life gets a piece of cake. And if your piece is bigger than my piece, that means you've got some of my cake. Yeah. Candle people have a candle that's lit with, you know, the problem they solve, their gift, their ability to connect and make a difference in their lives. And, and other people's candles are out. And so when they go and light their candle, then there's more light in the room. And, and so in legacy, we teach that, you know, what we want to do is transfer to our, our kids, our family, those we love, the wisdom, the knowledge, the character traits, the habits that allow them to go make great decisions. And to me, that's a transfer of light. There's more light in the room when that transfer happens. So you and I are on the same page. It, it I'm is. Just get, I'm yeah. just giving you the author. The, the, the author. No, no, no. I, and I'm not, I'm not trying to poke holes at it. And my gosh, as a father. So I have, I have nine children. Um, and not that it matters, but for some people who understand the context, I have seven uh, biological children. I have two adopted children. And has there been sacrifice? Uh, yes. Has there been, is it, is it difficult uh, at times? Has it stretched me? Um, yes. And I'm not going to just try to Pollyanna it and say, no, it's all just, you know, roses and, and rainbows at all. Uh, but I, again, I'm, I'm going to, I'm taking aim at the perspective of, hey, Tom, you've heard this. I mean, just from a faith-based standpoint, some people, what, what's the quote? Some people carry their faith uh, like a burden. Some people carry it like a light. Is that something along that nature? I've, I'm not, I've heard the quote, but I can't repeat yeah, it. Yeah, something along that line. But we get the idea. Some people, you know, really feel burdened down with that. And, and again, I don't want to minimize that because there are people who, who have given to such great degrees that, and, and needed to, to take care of somebody or whatnot. And there are people out there who are burdened. And I have times when I have felt burdened. I do have times when I have felt burdened. So I'm not going to, maybe that's it. Let's take the spectrum of, you know, burden and beauty or burden and light burden and energy or whatever. And on a given day, we're going to fluctuate back and forth, but I'm looking at the overall aspect as we, and I'm going to say that you, me, everybody listening who is out here and we want to matter. We want purpose. We know that purpose is found in mattering to other people in serving them. But are we doing that is our daily perspective. When we get up our attitude, looking at that and going, Oh, okay. I'm going to rally the troops bolster myself another cup of coffee and I'm going to go and I'm going to serve till I'm just exhausted at the end of the day from taking care of everybody. I mean that those people feel that is what I, is what I'm what I struggle with in it. They feel that, uh, the burden of, of, of being served in that way, as opposed to somebody says, man, I get to, I get to, I have the privilege of, of helping these people again, not minimizing the struggle of it. it but Tom, I, well, here, check this out. I asked on Facebook. I actually posted this. I said, should true, and I put in quotes, selfless giving and serving wear you down and deplete you? Should you be spent? Should you be a spent worker and servant pouring out for others? 
And I said, I told people before you give a quick reply, think about it honestly and how you perceive it in your daily life. Is your day full of have tos and shoulds and got tos? Is this is the image, and, and I did text it to you, Tom. I don't know if you looked at your phone. I texted the image. You know, is the image of this guy who's, who's got all the holes in him and the kid made out of those holes, is this image, is that a valiant thing? Do we look at that depletion uh, as, a, as a valiant issue? Okay, I, I just happened to look at my past so, show questions. It was like the past couple of weeks. I posted one show question. I got 78 responses, 78 comments. Posted another one. I got 30. Posted another one, 102. This one, two, two responses. So either I ask it very poorly, which is possible, or it's one that people didn't know how to answer. Maybe it's something we don't think about. My tendency is to feel like I may have hit on something that we don't, we don't really think of it. We don't really, we're not really clear on how we feel about our service. And maybe we do tend to Think of it as a, you know, as kind of that zero sum game, more of a cake thing. The more I give out of myself today, I'm going to expend my energy and end up exhausted at the end of the day for all I'm giving, as opposed to what you said, the candle idea of I'm going to shine my light. It's going to help other people shine their light. And we are all, you know, lifted. I mean, but there's a tension there because I am going to expend myself today uh, and, and it does, it does. I mean, I have a finite amount of energy. I have a finite amount of emotional calories. I have a finite amount of, of a lot of things. I, I play with it. I mean, this, it's something to be played with obviously, but yeah, people didn't know what to do with the question. Apparently, yeah. you know, I had this image of, um, you know, dying and going to heaven and I'm dragging these suitcases <laughs> yeah. to heaven. And God's like, <laughs> What's that? What do you need it for? And the point was, is that it could be the greatest treasure or the biggest burdens, but neither one of them are going to fit in heaven. Interesting. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, there's nothing that we could, that we could bring with us from a treasure perspective. That's better than what's going to be there. And, and it's almost, and, and so then I flip it around and say, why are we dragging our suitcases now? And, and, and I think a lot of people, uh, they, they feel the burden to help others as if they believe that if they don't, uh, it's their responsibility. So, you know, dad's uh, gift was his, his brokenness, his ability to uh, not worry, to speak God's truth and love and just let it do its thing without a responsibility of feeling that he needed to be liked in the process, mm. right? Because he knew it was just whatever happened, that was between them and, and God. Uh, and so I think a lot of people who get overwhelmed with their role or their position think that everything's up to them um, and it just drags you down. That's, that's, a, that's a burden. Uh, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a heavy, well, it, it just gets heavier. It does. And it brings in, and I've, and I have had to deal with it. So I have an admitted, we'll call it a Superman complex. You can call it a God complex of feeling responsible for other people to this great degree. Uh, my, obviously, you know, my kids, my family, but I took that into other people. I've taken that into coaching and whatnot and feeling so responsible for people and having to step back and, and say, I am, I am not God in all literalness. I am not. 
Uh, I am not a deity. I am not all powerful. And doesn't, again, that's not to minimize my responsibilities and my roles, but also to back up and go, man, I am not, I am not all powerful. There's so little I can control. I can try to influence. I can try to give and serve, but can I take the responsibility seriously, but also with that hold that I am, I am not all powerful in that. So yeah, to what you said, I think it's a big deal to consider as we talk about this, is everything going to go to hell in a handbasket? If not for me, if I disappear today, is that the end of my family? Are they all going to be homeless or dead in the weeks, months, years to come? Will they have, they may have scars, but are they really going to, is it, is it really? And again, it's hard for people to say, cause you don't want to say, okay, so it doesn't matter, man. I can just go golf the rest of the day. It doesn't really matter. They'll be fine. Uh, of course not. There's a tension to hold there, but let me ask you this, Tom. Uh, I think it's Mark. I, I, I pulled the scripture out, but I, I forgot. I think it's out of Mark. Uh, but people who grew up in the church, and if you didn't, you'll get the idea. There is the consummate story analogy uh, of the widow's two mites, right? So it's uh, chapter 41. It says, now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury and how many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, whatever that is, a few cents. I don't know. Uh, So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury for they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had her whole livelihood. Obviously we can get down deep into Christian doctrine. And and that's not going to, I don't think serve the message here necessarily on on the religious front, but just to look at that, I grew up with that, Tom, I grew up with that perspective of it is more worthy to give in a way that is kind of that zero sum. So she gave everything she had. So her rewards in heaven and whatnot, but does that mean at at the end of the day, and if she's got a kid that she's responsible for, they literally have no money to eat and they starve, but it's valiant. Because they gave all they had and their reward will be heaven, but earth is going to stink now because they have no money. And I grew up somewhat with that perspective and took it forward. And I I wonder if I let that uh, bring me into this Superman complex, God complex, you know, that I've got to save people. I've got to give everything that I have. And, you know, this is a trans, we translated what that means and how we could take that different ways. But I struggle again with that. And I have people, so many people in my life that have been in poverty. And now that they have gotten out of that, they feel like they are able to give so much more. They're able to support things. And you know, you know, so you and I know so many wealthy people who, oh my gosh, they support complete charities. And I'm not going to minimize that because it's out of their wealth. So again, play with me there. You are listening to The Ziggler Show and this episode questioning the spirit we give and serve from. We'll be right back. I think for me, that um, overall idea is that, you know, we give when there's need. We give uh, when we feel called to give. And the expectation is the blessings are going to keep coming. And, and that's what I see when it says serve with a joyful heart. Gosh, I see people extending themselves and whatever the situation is without any 
out any concern or worry or fear that they won't that that they're going to be taken care of the next day. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of backbone, a, a, a lot of support to say, hey, when we're serving one of God's creatures, a fellow human being, we just meet their need as best we can. Um, I think it's in Jewish tradition. <clears throat> there's a the ultimate form of of giving is when you it's it's the idea of you 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 teach them something that allows them to take care of themselves and others. So the biggest gift is the transfer of the wisdom, the knowledge, the skill, the ability. The second uh, highest gift is 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 a is when you when they don't know who gave it and you don't know who it was given to mm-hmm. right it's that total uh zero expectation of any return <laughs> yeah and yeah. so i think it's interesting that uh the the you know the greatest thing we can do is maybe the metaphor of that uh statue sculpture that we were talking about earlier you know you just you just give so that the other person is able to grow and walk walk out and and make great decisions right that's that's what i'm getting out of, out of that yeah. and, and and so when we have a in and dad's secret to his success i believe was his motive and you know he he invested a couple two to three hours every morning learning and studying and contemplating and simplifying and internalizing something new that he could then share with someone else for their benefit. And in the process of that happening, it changed his life, mm-hmm. right? Because if that's your motive, who's going to benefit ultimately? You're the one getting all the messages. Uh, and I saw it in dad's uh, countenance when he would go and speak and he would be traveling and he would come home and you could tell he was road weary, but his face was just shining. And and the reason it was shining was he had prepared for the talk. That was the first time he got the information. He had uh, heard the talk because when you speak something, you hear it. And then people had come back to him and told him how much the speech meant to them or his previous. So he, so he he prepared to do one thing and got three blessings out of it at the same time. And I think those blessings pretty much are are unleashed or limited based on the motive by which you do them. Mm-hmm. Right? If you're if it's quid pro quo, if you're trying to get something in return, if it's I'll scratch your back today, so you'll scratch my back tomorrow. <laughs> or, or you think you've got to have more attaboys than uh-ohs in, <laughs> in life? Yeah, right. Then it's a, it's you can never keep up. You can never you can never do enough, and you start comparing yourself to what you could have done and what others are doing, and that whole game takes off. It, it reminds me again, and we should just put her on the show always. Cause I talk about her. It seems like every, every other show, at least Shanti felt on the kindness challenge and back to her thing of being kind 
is n- not so much how I have all had always prior to her perceived it. You be kind because it's the right thing to do. And because it benefits you, you're going to get reciprocity of kindness. And she's saying, no, 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 no. I mean, those have some validity, but the point is not the greatest benefit is not the reciprocity. It's just how it makes you feel. Your perspective of that person will increase by you being kind and your feelings of, of peace and joy will just increase by being kind as opposed to being maybe in a way that they deserve, you know, vengeful or critical or whatever. Those are just going to tear you down. This, this is about you that in what you're talking about, the giving, the serving that I'm doing, can I do that out of a place of not reciprocity, hoping for payback or a response, but knowing again, it's the right thing to do, but it's just benefiting me. This is, this is helping me. I read, uh, around the time when I was writing the kindness chapter in the new book, uh, and had met with Shanti and interviewed her. Uh, I think I read another study that kind of paralleled it. And it, the, the article was like, it, the article was how to make friends in a new neighborhood. Okay. Okay. And so like the top suggestion was when you move into a new neighborhood, the best way to meet the neighbors is in the first week you're there, go knock on the door and ask to borrow something that doesn't have much value, a cup of flour, right? And two things happen. You get to meet them. People are grateful they can help <laughs> in a way that doesn't have a lot of, you know, social constructs and strings around it. But it also uh, makes it easier for them to come to you when they need something, hmm. And that's the way human relationship works is it's hard to ask somebody for a favor if they've never asked you for a favor. And so the relationship gets going. And so when we say, Hey, I I need some help uh, that opens up from some vulnerability. And I I don't know what, you know, the vulnerability is with flower. (laughs) Well, the concept I love Tom, because my, my thought would be, okay, I'm going to go around to every neighbor and bring them, I don't know, you know, a a bottle of wine, a package, a a gift. And of course I'm thinking if I get that, some stranger shows up and Hey, we're new and just gave me something. I almost kind of feel like, Oh, I owe them now as opposed to the opposite. I love the, I love the mindset of that. Yeah. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. And it's just the way we're wired. Uh, And gosh, we're wired for relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a way that relationships are fortified. Well, the spirit behind it, I, I keep coming back to that, the spirit of my heart, kind of like the kindness thing, you know, being kind to others helps in my, so if I look, as I look at my day, I mean, I, I feel like this is, this is room for us to consider, to audit ourselves and how are we perceiving our daily service to others, whether it's employees co-workers, you know, our place of work, clients, customers, whatever we do there, how do we view it? Uh, how do we view our family, our relationships, our you know, volunteer things we may do somewhere? How do we view that? And I, 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 would, I would think that most people have experienced somebody in the same format. And it's easy to po- point at a church if you've, if you've been there and somebody who serves. And man, they are just lit up from it. 
they're just lit up. They're on fire. And somebody else who serves, and they are bent over and burdened. And this isn't a right or wrong or a criticizing thing, but what draws you? What attracts you? What do you, you know, how are we, how are we viewing that service? And so I'm, because I'm looking at that and thinking about the people I serve. What do they feel from me? And really, really, t- again, taking into consideration and I've continued to do this as I've tried to work out of my own. Again, I'll use that Superman complex of can I, what is the state of my heart? And there have literally, I'll never forget one time when I was, I was working on this and my wife asked for something and it involved running into town. You know where I live. So I'm, you know, we're up in the national forest. So running into town, it's literally about, you know, if it was to the store or something, it's like seven miles which if you live in a big city, that's like a blip. But here, that's like going cross country, man. I mean, we, if something's a, a mile further down the road, it's a big deal. I got to make a decision here. We're, we're, we're a little biased with that. And so I just did my normal thing. Yep, absolutely. Here I go. Went, I, maybe I even got in, my, got in my vehicle. I can't remember. And then just realized I'm feeling bitter about this. It's been, I've, it's been a, a taxing day. It's not a critical thing. Uh, it's not wrong that she asked, but I'm just, I'm just doing it. And my heart's not, not that great. And I went inside and she knew that I was working on this. And I said, honey, I could go get it, but I'm, I'm, I'm actually struggling with feeling kind of bitter about having to go do not against her, but just having to go do something. I'm a little, I'm a little strung out today. And she kind of, she, I'll paraphrase it. She was kind of like, good for you, honey. You're growing up, <laughs> you're, you're maturing and actually paying attention to your feelings. But that's, that's been so critical to me as I look at things is what is the status of my heart? And if I'm doing it out of bitterness and I'll, I'll make this, I'll even exaggerate it by making it a faith-based standpoint. Is that what God would have? Would he have me go forward with a bitter heart or would he say, look, even if I want you to do that, Kevin, I really want your heart in the same place. Let's commune until your heart can get in the right place. Because maybe you do still need to do that. Or if you can't, maybe you just shouldn't. Maybe it's, it's not the benefit is not enough for you to do that thing with a bitter heart or to do that thing if you feel like it is literally hurting you or uh, depleting you, which again, I, it's that struggle with that valiant thing. Cause the superhero thing is you jump on the hand grenade, right. And save everybody else. And, and maybe so, but how often have you seen that? My gosh, they, I've often struggled with this, Tom, somebody's gonna get irritated with me, uh, for saying this, but I've looked at some of those movie depictions where, you know, somebody needs saving, here's somebody in trouble, somebody needs saving and they send 20 people in to save them. And 19 of those people die saving the one person. And I'm kind of wondering, does the math work here? I'm, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit. Again, we're playing with this perspective of our spirit, uh, the spirit of our heart and auditing that somewhat, because my concern is let's take a kid that if I give and serve them out of, and I'm feeling grateful for the ability to, and I am feeling joyful in the opportunity to, they all, they get whatever it is I'm helping them with, but they also get the spirit of that. They get the light of that. Let's call it. I'm shining my candle on them, Tom, uh, as opposed to if I give and I feel like, man, I've got a finite amount of cake and okay, sure, buddy, I'll, I'll give. And I'm going to lose that, that they feel that which is really serving them best. Yeah. So what do kids especially younger, what the greatest gift you can give them is your attention. 
and we get confused because the world is based on stuff, right? It's do you value uh, do you value our relationship or do you value what I provide for you? Those are two different things. Yeah. Right. But they go hand in hand because, you know, we're practical. Hey, I value you and you value me, but, and together we're a pretty powerful team and, and we've got our own, our own unique gifts and talents that together make for a great family. And so you can't really divide them, right? It's not like you could say, well, if you gave me nothing, I would love you just to say, you know what I mean? Because there's, right. there's, there, there's that relationship. And it kind of reminds me of uh, Alexandra when she was little. And I heard this story from somewhere else and it happened to me as well. And gosh, when she was four or five, sometimes she'd come get, get next to me and snuggle. And then she'd ask for a treat. <laughs> I knew, I knew I was being played. You know, so, you know, could I have that toy? Could I have that candy? Whatever. Yeah. And then other times she'd come up, sit in my lap, and I'd be like, "Baby, why are you in my lap? Oh, I just want to be next to you." Yeah. She gets the candy store if she asks for it. Yeah. Right. And and I think that's the way. Whenever I think of, gosh, what's our relationship with God? What should it be like? It should. I kind of see God wanting to give us the candy store and all he wants is a relationship. Yeah. And so when, when you feel like the relationship is based on what you do versus who you are, that's when resentment comes in. Yeah. Right. That's when you're like, golly, I got to do stuff in a certain way in order to make that person happy. And it's not a big deal, probably 80 or 90% of the time, but some of that, it's contrary to how God made you. Yeah. Right? You're not bent the same way. And so that's when the resentment can can jump in. And that the resentment is a great resentment, bitterness. I, I feel like those are those are harsh words that come alongside giving and serving often that we struggle. And that's, that's what I'm trying to draw all of our attention to. And I'm, you know, I, I keep mentioning family because it's such an acute place for those of us who have family, who have spouses and who have kids. And it's a, a, such an acute place where we can often speak it in the have tos. Oh, I have to, I should, I need to. And we can feel that burdened. And I, I find myself watching my verbiage and say, no, I want to go pick up my kid because I really don't want them to be stranded at school. They won't die. Somebody will help them. But I, I actually want to instead of, ah, I got to go get the kids. Make You can hear it in our, in our tone and they feel that. And so I find myself, again, kind of like I referenced my wife. Sometimes I think I do my spirit and therefore my, my light to them a better favor sometimes by saying no. By not doing that service or that giving, am I protecting the spirit, the relationship, the light, as you would say it, as you said it, Tom, with the candle? I'm protecting that above the the issue. You talked about your little girl. And again, it's an acute thing to me. I remember when my older kids were younger, I bet my, my daughter, who's now 25, I think, uh, she was probably three or four. And my wife was at home 
working at home. She had a job. She was working on the computer at home and uh, little, little autumn is her name came up. Can I sit in your lap, mommy? And mommy was stressed and she was like, Oh, oh sure. And let her do that. So little autumn sitting in front of her, you know, and she's trying to keep her hands off the keyboard. And finally she put her down and it was one of those things of going here. I, I'm letting her sit in my lap and I'm disdaining her right now. That can't be serving her well, instead of saying, you know what? No, I'm not going to put you in my lap to disrupt my work and to, you know, get your chocolatey fingers on my keyboard or whatnot. You're okay. And little Autumn would have gone okay and gone somewhere else. And the spirit stayed good as opposed to going, no, I'll serve and give to you and put you up here and be resentful. And that, that's where, man, that's, that's a, I mean, we're talking about some big medicine in a lot of ways of how we view our service. And I know so many people, this is a leadership, Tom, you're the leadership guy. So many people in leadership who act in that way. And this is obviously a sore spot for me. And again, I'm going to, I'm going to wave my hand as, as one of the, I've been one of the chiefest centers of so here. I am in leadership, really acting like I am doing everybody a favor in my leadership and having to check my spirit. Like really, am I that it's really kind of an arrogant place that I can find myself. Like I am doing the world a favor and you know, from business owners, you and I work with so many business owners and we can look at that and feel, I've heard so many speak to that of, I am responsible for a hundred employees. And again, I'm not minimizing the role. I'm not minimizing the responsibility, but I'm questioning the spirit behind it. Are you their God? Are they dependent upon you? Are their families all dependent uh, upon you? Are they all going to die and be bereft if you fire them, if you go out of business, if you, or will they, do, do the stats showcase that they probably find other opportunities? Could be hard, but again, just to check that spirit, check our, again, we're on the top. Now we're on the topic of leadership. That's your, that's your ballpark, Tom. And you know that, you know how that pans out. You are listening to The Ziggler Show and this episode questioning the spirit we give and serve from. We'll be right back. So in our uh, Ziggler coaching system, we have a number of our coaches who are, are going for the designation of Ziggler Master Coach. Yep. And a big part of that is serving others and showing up and building a practice and all those things. And we have a mastermind session every two weeks. It's just an hour long conversation. Okay. I'm going to plug it. Go to Ziggler.com folks, Ziggler.com. And you can find out about this stuff. So today is one of those sessions. And so here's the, here's the uh, topic of discussion. It's the journey not the destination it's the growth not the results it's who i become not what i achieve and so we're going to talk about that from a coaching perspective and we get so focused on the results the destination achievement and we start viewing people as either uh, barriers or accelerators to what we want. <laughs> right. And that's where we get bitter. That's where resentment comes in. That's where all the issues that happen in life instead of, wait a second, <laughs> it's 
golly, it's it's being present on the journey. It's growing. It's becoming. And especially with kids, um, whenever, you know, it's it's like it's we've got it backwards. Whenever there's difficulty or things going on, we should our our antenna and our excitement and our get to attitude should just grow because this is when the growth is going to happen. This is when character is going to be strengthened and refined and, and understood at a new level. And yet we almost, we do everything we can to prevent uh, any, any type of uncomfortableness in those things. Uh, you, you were telling this, the story about autumn, you know, sitting in the lap and there's a famous zig story. That's very similar to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the man in his office saying, I got to work, I got to work. And his little boy comes in and says, Dad, can we play catch? And Dad says, not yet. I need to finish. So go. I'll let you know. Well, two minutes later, the little boy comes back. Can we play catch? No, not yet. I'm still working. Well, five-year-olds don't have a very long sense of time. So two minutes later, comes back in. Dad, can we play catch? The dad gets uh, really upset. And he looks over and there's a magazine and it's got a picture of the world on it. And so he quickly cuts it into 25 pieces and hands it to his five-year-old and says, put the puzzle together. And when you're done, we'll, we'll play catch. And the little boy takes it and two minutes later knocks on the door. Dad, I'm, I'm done. Come look at it. And he can't believe it, right? This is a five-year-old with a pretty complex puzzle. And he looks at it and it's right. And he says, son, how did you get it right? And he said, well, dad, on the other side of the puzzle was a picture of a man. And when I got the man right, the world was right. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's stout. <laughs> so. That's okay. You know, in that, Tom, you mentioned excitement and you said a get to attitude. Here's who I thought of our buddy, Bob Bodine, your mentor, and as you know, a couple months ago, he came down to uh, came to Colorado Springs and invited me to breakfast at the Garden of the Gods Resort where he was staying. And we went in there and spent a couple hours over breakfast. And he was he was being Bob, as you know, and he was pouring <laughs> out. And as you're talking right now, I just got the perspective. That guy is so full of light that he can't he's got to pour some out or he's going to bust. That's what it feels like. Isn't it? Exactly right. Being with him, it feels like that. I want to be that. Is, would that be the testimony my kids would give of me? Is that the testimony that employees, people who work with me would give of me? Kevin, man, he's, he's so eager to pour out to you because he's, he's so full. Of, I think it, it fills him up. Heck, maybe with Bob, it relieves him because, again, he's going to bust. Man, I've got to pour out to somebody. And he did. He spent two hours just... You know how he gets that? He's up on the edge of his seat and he's can't hardly take time to eat. And he's just talking, oh, Kevin, I, I felt this for you. And I thought about this for you. And what about this? And man, I had this experience. Maybe this will help. And he's just pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. And then, you know, of course, as soon as we finished, he gets up and he, he can't walk two feet before there's a server and he's, he's filling them up. I want to be that guy. doesn't mean you have to be as expressive or outgoing as Bob Bodine. You do it in your way. But the concept of that, of, and it really pulls us back to ourselves and auditing ourselves and our self-care. And am I doing the things to fill myself up so that I do have 
uh, and this kind of brings us to that abundance thing. I do have an abundance, you know, to pour out. And if we go back to the widow and her two mites, I would like to think that she gave that and that, yeah, God filled her up. God filled her up and she yep. was not in need. She didn't go away and died in the gutter because now she couldn't eat as a result of giving all she had. I remember a few years ago, uh, one of my friends was going through kind of a career challenge and he had two choices that he could make. Um, and both of them weren't good. So I, t- I took it to Bob because that's what he does, right? That's his background is helping uh, people find the right position. And, and he goes, oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> I go, why do you say that? These choices don't look good. He goes, oh, whenever there's two bad choices, it means God's got a third one. We just got to find it. Brilliant. <laughs> so, Brilliant. I yeah. mean, it was just like, wait a second. I mean, this is, it kind of comes to that. I'm often drawn towards, if you've hopefully heard the concept of the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. And I'm not discounting the letter of the law. The, the, again, the roles, the responsibilities, the things that we've signed up for. I mean, if you're a parent, you have an obligation. You know, if you, I mean, you, chances are you, you need to work. You need to provide an in, uh, to get an income. And whether that's as a business owner, or as an employee, whatnot. But again, what is our spirit behind it and putting that, uh, for me, in front of, in, above the letter of the law. That, okay, this is something you're going to do, but what is the spirit behind that. I am responsible for that. I mean, this is classic Ziegler right here. I can't always change the letter of the law, the rules, uh, some of the, the realities of life that I don't have control of, but I do have control of. And I at least that we did a show on this. Do we have full control? We at least have a lot of influence over my spirit amongst that. And I am more and more finding that if I can't get my spirit right, I don't need to do that thing. Or I need to, I need to wait till I can get my spirit right to do that. And, and again, I keep using the word again, because there's such a tension here, such a balance here. There are some times when, if I'm going to get up, I remember having little kids, it's such, it's just too acute not to use parenting as an example here, that even if I can't get my spirit right, you still got to change the diaper in the middle of the night or feed the kid. Uh, I, I get that, but what can I be doing to give myself the best opportunity to have my spirit right, to correct my spirit, just to be aware. Maybe I'll never forget, man, I'm forgetting her name. The founder of Muse, M-U-S-E. It's a meditation app. It's a, they actually have a a band that you put on your head and uh, we had her on the true life podcast and I'm, I'm spacing on her name right now. Um, But I was asking her about meditating about taking, you know, just being present, call it what you want, just having that time of solitude and quiet, whatnot. And I said, should I, should I pay attention to my status? Like, let's, let's, let's say I've got my, my time scheduled for 6 a.m. or 11 a.m. or whatever, and it's, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meditate. Should I, should I pay attention to my spirit at that time? Like, if I'm kind of stressed, should I not do it then? Should I wait till I'm a little calmer? And I, so I was just kind of asking her about that. And she said, whoa, whoa, whoa. She kind of just stopped me. She says, Kevin, you you get points right off the bat just for being aware, even thinking about it and asking that question. You're halfway there. Uh, And so in this, you know, step one is just awareness of what is my spirit behind my giving? What is it today as I go about my tasks as, as have tos and as, as really kind of a victim mentality or an opportunity, again, a privilege and 
there's the tension in the balance. This is not a Pollyanna message, but where is my spirit uh, in regards to the, the letter law? Where's my spirit uh, in the law? It's just a convicting thing. And again, I know I, I pulled at that image uh, of the statue in that, but I, uh, yeah, nothing against the artist who did that. And, and I get some of those aspects. There are there are places in me that I have given and poured out to my kids, and but I just don't see it or, or believe it should be a zero-sum game. I tend to feel like my opportunity to have with my kids, with my audience, with my clients, with the people, my friends, family, that the opportunity I want to believe and act as, have the spirit of, that as I give to them, as I pour out one I'm doing I'm first off making sure I'm, I'm seeking my creator to fill me to overflowing that I'm giving out that it is like you said it is it's lighting them up and the lighting the next person up and together we are in a brilliant light as opposed to every time I give away a little of my cake I've got I got less to where I'm getting up every day and all I got is crumbs I got nothing to give I'm, or maybe a flick of crumb and I don't, I don't want to be that person, Tom. How's Me that? either. Yeah. Not a good place. All right. Well, food for thought. Cake, yes, it is. Cake for thought. Uh, <laughs> if we can, all right. Cake, birthday cake for thought. Again, brother, happy birthday. Thank uh, you. And yesterday I had candle and cake. Okay. Well, and I was, I was going to say thank you for being someone who invest in yourself so that you can invest in me and i am a brighter human as a result of tom ziegler thanks brother thanks brother this topic of the spirit in which we give and serve from really requires us to stop and sit back and audit ourselves how often do you speak to all your duties as have to's How often do you give a big sigh when speaking about all you have to do in your giving and serving? How often do you actually find yourself complaining about it? Again, what I've often realized is I'm talking as if I'm doing someone a favor, right? I'm doing the world a favor, my family a favor. I'm even doing God a favor, as he sure would be in trouble if I wasn't there to save everybody's butt. I mean, it can be a pretty severe gut check. And again, I believe we're all on the spectrum here. At least I am. It may ebb and flow, and it may be more acute in certain areas of our lives and certain duties and roles. But I hope this episode helps you find more joy in your serving, and it may help you realize there's some areas you need to stop serving altogether, at least for a while, until you can get your heart in the right place. And that's okay. That's all of us. Well, coming up next in Ziegler Show, episode 967, I'm talking with Ethan Cross about the voice in your head, why it matters, and how to harness it. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. <laughs>